Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So we, uh, we want to continue this morning in our journey in the book of Ephesians. If you want to open up your Bibles uh, or turn on your phones or whatever the case may be to Ephesians chapter 3, <coughs> excuse me, verses 1 through to 13. We're going to be going through that this morning and drawing out a couple of thoughts from the Word of God. Um, you know, what an amazing day we've been blessed with. Amen. There's something so profound and something so powerful about having an ongoing attitude of gratitude. There's something so powerful. In fact, the Bible says that um, godly contentment leads to great gain. In other words, being thankful for all that you've been given. I don't know about you this morning. You might have come with a really bad attitude. I don't know. You might be um, flying high here this morning. You might be middle of the road, whatever it might be. But can I encourage you? Um, to continually develop a heart that says, God, thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Amen. We, we are so fortunate to live where we are. We are we're so blessed to be you know, um, here and now and alive. And think about your kids right now. You might want to kill them today. It's like, you know, a little, little oh, I just want to, you know, they're just so annoyed. But, but thank God for them. Amen. They're a blessing from the Lord. One day they'll get better. Amen. <laughs> they, they get older. My father had six. Dad said that kids were like boomerangs. They just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. But it's so important that we have an attitude for gratitude. You know, I was laying in bed and, and just thanking God for everything. You know, the small things, you know, laying on, on, on our bed, we've got a pillow top mattress. You know, it's just amazing. It's like laying on a cloud. Amen. And, you know, I think of my brothers over in Vanuatu. You know what they lay on? They just lay on this little, little, um, little mat. It's, it's just like, it's like laying on the, on the concrete, amen. And I've got this beautiful bed. Thank you, God, for that, amen. And I think about my fridge. You know, this afternoon we're going home and I bought, um, we bought just uh, some time ago a, a Bradley smoker. And so this afternoon around 2 o'clock I'm going to be putting on chicken Marylands that'll be marinated. They'll cook for about uh, six or seven hours. We'll get home tonight um, and have smoked chicken wraps. I mean, how good's that? Don't take all the small things for granted that God has blessed us with. You know, we serve such an amazing Father. And we are so, so, you know, if you just took the time to start to count and, and think about all the things that he's blessed you with, all the things that he's done in your life, all the, all the provision that you have, you would see the hand of God's graciousness upon your life. Amen. So that's why it's so important. You know, we never get um, tired of thanking God for everything that he's given us. Amen. You know, in fact, if uh, we, we, have, um, we have two children, and um, as I said, my father had six, but if I, I if I could imagine that, you know, if I just kept giving to my child and giving to my child and giving to my child and they never, ever said thank you, I'd get a bit tired of that after a while. Thank our Heavenly Father. Jesus said he, he revolutionized the way that people saw God in the New Testament when he said, pray to our Heavenly Father, our dear Abba Father, our Daddy God. We have got such an amazing, beautiful Father in heaven. But let's just keep smothering him with thanks, having thankfulness, having an attitude of gratitude for everything that he's given us. Amen. Because again, God, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 what was that scripture again? You can't think of it either. Godly contentment leads to great gain. Amen. 
It's in Timothy somewhere. You're going to have a look at it this afternoon. But we want to continue our journey today. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians, going through it. We're up to chapter 3 this morning. And uh, we are so uh, thankful that you're here today. We pray as we unwrap a few verses of Scripture, uh, our prayer is that you would receive something from the Word of God. I know today I'll be preaching one thing and God will be saying another thing. Amen. So our prayer today is that you go away from this place blessed and build up in Jesus' name. We've been working through this book and what we've discovered from the outset part of the, the writing, um, the reason for the writing of the book of Ephesians by the Apostle Paul to the church was to warn the church not to be too focused on worldly things. It was also a constant reminder of what God has done for us and who we are in Christ. They were some of the continued themes in there. And I just, just felt right now in the Holy Spirit, just to pause on that thought there, that Paul was warning the church not to be too focused on worldly things. Let me just let, I'm, it's not that I haven't got anything more to say, but I just think that we need to pause on that thought there. Paul was warning them not to be focused too much on worldly things. 30 years later, Jesus writes in Revelations chapter 2 and he warns the same church that they need to come back to their first love. They've moved away from their first love. He warned them that if they didn't return to their first love, he would remove their lamp. History tells us that's what took place. But this morning, I just want us just to pause on that there. Not to get deceived by the trappings and the riches of this world. We've been given so much, but our possessions should not possess us. Amen. All that we have is just a, a, a time that we get to steward what we have. All, all the possessions, all the wealth, they don't belong to us. We're just managers over those things. Amen? Amen? And we've got to be very careful in this light, in this time, that we're not chasing all that the world has to offer. Christ is meant to be our jewel and our jewel alone. Christ is meant to be the focus, the cornerstone of our lives. If we, if we move away from that, then the potential is we'll end up focusing all of attention on the next great gadget. Who knows there's some great gadgets out there? They're everywhere. And they'll take all of our time and our money and our energy and our focus. So it's so important. So not to be too focused on worldly things. And last week at the end of chapter 2, there's three things that we looked at that Paul reminds us. Firstly, in Paul's letter, he was reminding the church of who they are now in Christ. We're going to touch on that in a little bit. The second thing that he challenged them about was building on the right foundation. How we've got to be very, very careful that we build our lives upon the Word of God and upon the Word of God alone, not, not something that we hear on Google, iTunes, or, or, or um, um, a podcast or whatnot. What does the Word of God say? That's the second thing that he was talking about. And the third thing he was talking about is about being fitted together. Paul says we're not just a haphazard stack of stones that happen to come together by chance or by circumstances. On the contrary, Paul says that we were fitted together precisely by our Father in heaven, the master stonemason. I'm here for a reason and you're here for a reason. Amen. Hallelujah. We're all in this church. We're all in this house. You know, Christian surfers, I'm just... Just annoyed. There's probably 60 or 80 members down the coast today having a wow of a time. Anyway, they're missing out. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And now all your brains are going down there thinking, gee, what would it be like? Oh, goodness gracious me. Think of that beach. Think of that water. Amen. So this morning we want to continue um, through this uh, verses of Scripture this morning in uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through to 13. I've broken it into three sections. I want to stop and just um, pull some thoughts out of each of these texts that are here. So this is Paul speaking. Paul says, When I think of all this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming by the way that you know God uh, and gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations. Wow. But now, uh, by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and uh, prophets. And this is God's plan. Listen to it. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise and blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading the good news. Now, last week we talked about it and wanted to underscore it again. We can read the Bible in this generation and this time we can read those words and we sort of go, well, you know, they're interesting and we see a few thoughts and a few truths out there. But if you take it back to the original audience, what Paul was saying here was life transformation. What Paul was saying here was liberation. What Paul was communicating to the church at this particular time was absolutely massive. Amen. And this is the reason why. It was such a huge deal when we think as, uh, about the audience receiving this news as Gentiles. Amen? Gentiles could associate with Israel, participate in the feasts, uh, feasts worship Yahweh, but they were always considered outsiders. Listen. Gentiles never forgot that they were strangers and aliens among God's chosen people. There was a bit of a mindset thing going on here. In the days before Christ, the God-fearing Gentile could convert to Judaism, but that did not make the person Jewish. They were still considered outsiders. The best a Gentile could hope for was to be permitted to remain a God, among God's people for a time called a sojourner. Imagine living your whole life loving God, but always feeling and knowing that you were not good enough because you weren't Jewish. This is the context in which Paul is writing to this group of Gentiles, these, this group of people. Their, their whole life, they had a love for Yahweh, they had a love for God, but because they weren't Jewish, they were always considered outsiders. There are people here today, I believe, that are struggling with this same thought that I'm not good enough. This is what the Ephesians church struggled with and with feelings of not being good enough. But Paul continually reminded them and is reminding us of who we are in Christ. Amen. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a son and daughter of God. Amen. And Paul is bringing this message to a Gentile audience and their brains must have been popping. Their, their, their spirits must have been rejoicing. They must have been going, this is just too good to be true to hear that now we are all equal. We are all one. Why? Because of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Don't fall for the lie of the enemy. Every time he tries to lie to you, you, you and I need to come back to him with what the word of God says. Every time that you feel that you're not good enough, every time the enemy tries to challenge who you are in Christ, your daughterhood, your, your, your um, sonhood as such, don't allow the enemy to lie to you, amen, but come back to him just as Jesus did in Luke chapter 4 and says, this is what the word of God says about me. This is who God says that I am. This is who God has created me to be. Every time the devil tries to lie to you, come back to him with the truth of the word of God because that's exactly what Jesus did. And if Jesus did that as our uh, Lord and Master, our example, then we need to do the same as well. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a demonic force continually trying to rob your identity. And we need to be aware of that and expose that and speak into that in Jesus name I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me I can do all things through Christ amen 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 some of us need to get our confession going some of us need to open up our Bibles and pull out truth and start to speak it over our lives amen some of us need to start declaring over our lives and over our families and over our situations what the Word of God says. The Word of God is like a hammer. It strikes the rock and it destroys the hard things. Amen. You might have some hard things going on in your world right now. More than likely you do. Well, what are you going to do about it? Sit there and have a pity party and say, Woe is me. Woe, Woe is me. No. Rise up like a son or daughter of God, knowing that you are an, an heir to the throne, that you have an inheritance and rise up in a spirit of faith and start to speak over those things that you know are not of God. Amen? The Ephesians, they must have just... You can imagine that night coming home going, did you hear what Paul said today about us? You know, we can start to attend the temple and not feel like we're second-rate citizens anymore. We can participate in all the feasts now as we choose because God sees us. Could you imagine what their talk must have been like that night? See, we read it and go, oh, yeah, ho-hum. But for the audience at that time, it was absolutely life-transforming. So Paul was firstly trying to help them to understand who they now are in Christ, all equal, all one, Gentiles, Jews, both one in Christ and under Christ. And then the next verse we want to sh share with you this morning, just looking at the infinite wisdom of God. Because some of you are here this morning. I thought I was going to finish early. I will. Some of you are here this morning and you're really questioning and you're really thinking, well, God, why is this going on in my life now? Why is this happening now, God? Why am I struggling? Why am I going through this circumstance, through this valley, whatever it may be? The truth is you can't see the end, but God can. Amen? Nick? Big fella? Good to see you, mate. The wisdom of God. I'll bring it out to you this morning just to look at the wisdom of God here and, and, and just come with me. It says in verse 8, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, Paul speaking, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Listen, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan 
that God the creator of all things had kept secret from uh, the beginning. God's infinite wisdom in choosing Paul. You might be thinking, what do you mean there? God's infinite wisdom in choosing Paul. Paul is a Jew, zealous by, by, by um, everyone's perception of him. He's incredibly religious. He's Jewish by birth. He's zealous in nature. He's incredibly religious. Paul was a Jew and a zealot. We find in the Word that he persecuted the followers of Jesus. He dragged them from the homes and had them murdered. He was known by the Gentiles and the Jews for his brutal persecution of Jesus' followers. He used to drag them from homes. He'd have them imprisoned or he'd have them locked up. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, this is the perception of some of the followers of Jesus Christ of Paul. It says, But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man Paul has done to the believers. In Jerusalem... And he is authorized by leading priests to uh, arrest everyone who calls upon your name. I love the wisdom of God. Listen to this this morning. If the Lord had given this message of salvation to a Gentile believer, it probably would not have been received that well. Listen. But, Paul, but God knew so powerfully. Because Paul was a zealous Jew... When he preaches that salvation is for the Gentiles and the Jews, his message couldn't be disputed because he was a Jew preaching salvation to the Gentiles. Don't you love the wisdom of God? <laughs> he picks the man that is bringing such harm and such pain and such persecution and has, ha allows him to go through a, an experience of salvation knowing in the wisdom of God that when Paul opens up his mouth everyone will listen because he was a Jewish zealot, amen who had a conversion to Christ and now when he starts to speak about the riches of Christ our inheritance in Christ and now salvation has come to the Gentiles everyone stands up and listens, amen you see, you might be going through a real difficult time right now. You might be struggling with some circumstances. You might be asking God, why, why is this going on? You know, I want to encourage you this morning. One of the themes that we continually visit in the book of Ephesians is the theme that God has predestined us. God has pre-planned, amen. God has got a, a purpose and a destiny for our lives that he's wanting us to pursue, amen. And even though you might be going through a difficult time and you might be thinking that life is hard, I want to encourage you, continue to hang on to Christ, amen. Because ultimately the Bible says, all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes, amen. You might be going through a hard time, but don't give up, get up, amen. I don't like that group. But you know what I mean? Amen? Amen. Don't give up. Get up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the wisdom of God in choosing Paul is just profound when you think about it. Absolutely profound. And like I said, you might be going through the difficult season now or being challenged by some things, but just understand that God has a plan and he has a purpose. And ultimately, if you continue to hang on to his plan and his purpose and continue to be faithful, he will lead you through that. Amen. You know, the Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Hey, what's at the end of a valley? 
I don't know, more valley? No, normally hilltops or mountains, right? So though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm just walking through it. I'm just walking through it. I'm just, I'm just, this is a season in my life. This is a season in my world. I know it's not going to last forever. It's not going to be here forever because though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me and they guide me. Hallelujah. Amen. Just about finished this morning. I can nearly smell the chicken. So verse 10, and we're just about finished this morning. I want to give you a couple of practical thoughts and then we're done this morning. It says in verse 10, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, talking about the demonic realm. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly and confidently come into God's presence. So don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honoured. This morning I want to conclude with just those last um, parting comments of Paul in this part of the text here this morning around this verse of Scripture in 12. It says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now boldly and confidently come into God's presence. I've been trying to get my heart and head around that for days. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. It says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might attain mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. The word defined there, boldly, means this. Confidently, freely, openly. Our Father wants us to come to Him in prayer with a heart that is uh, open, confident, and free. Amen. This is why when you get to verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 13, listen to that. Boldly and confidently come into God's presence. This is why in verse 14, this is what Paul says. Listen to it this morning. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father in heaven. When I think about all that you've given us, God, when I, when I, when I reflect on all that you've blessed us with, when I think that we can come confidently and boldly, understanding the Jewish tradition and understanding the Old Testament and understanding all the regulations and the rules and all the stuff that I would have needed to be able to be uh, you know, a high priest to come into your presence one time a year after all that, God, now because of Christ, I can come, my head's going red, I can come boldly and confidently into your presence. Into your presence. He says, God, I fall to my knees. When I, when I think of all this, his response is, I fall to my knees going, God. God. Profound. Isn't it? Time does not even permit to talk about the temple in the Old Testament and, and all of the things associated to the presence of God. And it, I don't know, you probably speak about it if you're a teacher for years or a year at least. 
And yet because of Christ, Paul says now we can boldly and confidently, freely, confidently, openly come into the presence of God. The question this morning as we conclude. Oh, sorry, if I could just read this bit. This, this is good. It says, <laughs> it says, when I think, as I said, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. We were once blind, but now we can see. We were once lost, but now we are found. We were once worthy of God's wrath, but today we are forgiven. We were once heading for destruction, but now we have eternity in our hearts. We were once orphans, but now we are God's children. We were once eternally bankrupt, but now we have an inheritance. We were once far from God, but now we can come boldly to Him. And that's why Paul says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Hallelujah. So how should we respond? Open up your Bibles as I conclude to Matthew chapter 6. How should we respond to this invitation to come boldly to our Father? Matthew chapter 6. How should we respond to this invitation? We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Firstly, make a time every day to spend time with your heavenly Father. Matthew chapter 6 here, Jesus just gives us a model of, of how to pray. And I, I, many of us would know this and have heard it and, and would be doing it. But I just felt for everyone and others' benefit this morning just to go through it again. Because Jesus teaches how to pray, where to pray, and what to pray in this verse of text here. Amen. So how do we respond to this incredible invitation to come and boldly and confidently enter into God's presence? Number one, make a time to daily meet with your heavenly father. Amen. So Jesus in the first part in verse 5 teaches us how to pray and he says we shouldn't pray like the hypocrites just using repetition he says in verse 5 and when you pray you should not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men assuredly i say to you they have their reward god would prefer sincerity in a few sentences than a barrage of words that don't come from the heart. You know, often people struggle with, well, what do I pray? Pray what's on your heart. Because Jesus was challenging them about how they were praying. They were just writing down these big prayers that were press, impressing everyone. And everyone go, ooh, I just can't pray like that. Jesus said, don't be like them. When you pray, I want you to pray sincerely from your heart. 
the first thought is how to pray we pray from our heart we pray about the things that are on our heart why because god is our father in heaven he wants to hear what's on your heart you might be worried about your children pray about your children you might be concerned about your husband you what pray about them amen so he teaches us how to pray second thing is he teaches us where to pray in verse six it says but you when you pray go into your room and we have shut your door pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly when we pray to god privately he answers our prayers publicly go into your room it's talking about a time or a space that is private that is quiet that is uninterrupted the worst thing that you can ever do is pray with your mobile phone near you hello thank you jesus oh text from steve oh what's going on this week christian bard yay jesus said go into your room shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and he will reward you openly so he teaches us where to pray. Where, where do we need to pray we need to pray somewhere privately to pray sincerely this week as we begin our week we pray sincerely secondly we pray privately you, you need somewhere where there's no distractions around you because you can come to him confidently and boldly he's he's waiting amen and then last lastly this is just so profound in verse 9 he teaches us what to pray in verse 9 our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses we forgive those who trespass against us i used to pray that prayer just just like that over and over and over um my mother always would say about me you're not perfect you're just the nearest thing to it son it's what she used to say but you know i'd have to go to confessional and and i'd be given um you know say three our fathers in heaven and three and um three um hail marys and i please i'm not saying anything against that that's what i understood then what i understand now is that the lord's prayer is a pattern for prayer amen it's meant to be broken into parts our father in heaven hallowed be your name i start by acknowledging that i have a father in heaven amen that he's my my daddy god my father in heaven hallowed be it father i praise you i praise you for who you are i thank you god for so i spend some time just um, hallowing his name lifting him up that's what that word means so i spend a few moments in prayer doing that and the next one is your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven father i thank you for your kingdom it's perfect your will is perfect father but i pray over my life today i pray over my family today i pray over my home today father your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven father i thank you for the beautiful church that we're a part of that that community father may your kingdom come and your will be done and shall have a community amen so jesus didn't teach us to pray it like da 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 we're meant to break it into parts and then it says give us this day our daily bread some of us are thinking about that right now <laughs> but father give us this day our daily bread what's our daily bread amen hallelujah so in that i'd encourage you this week 
just to spend some time looking at the Lord's Prayer because God intends us to, to pray it that way. Amen? And if we can take anything from today, it's this thought. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Let's bow our heads this morning as we conclude today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. And ask today, Lord, ask today that as Paul's prayed that you would continue to open up our eyes, the, 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 the eyes of our understanding that, God, we would know today the incredible plan and purpose and calling that we would know today and see today and understand today the depth of your call in our lives, that we would understand that we've been called your children today. Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, as we go about this week and we put time aside to seek you, to pray to our Father in heaven, thank you, God, as we do that, that you're there and you're, you're waiting and you're wanting to meet with us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, every eyes bowed and head bowed today. If you're here this morning and you have not asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you're not born again, Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, they shall by no means enter the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be born again? It means to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. It means to ask Him to forgive you of your sin and it means to commit your life to following him, to be a disciple after him. And if you're in this place this morning, you've never done that today, while well, every head's bowed and every eye's closed, would you just raise your hand so I can see it this morning? If you're here in this place, you've never done that, but you know that God is calling you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Hallelujah. Well, bless the Lord. Amen.